Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. Happy Independence Day to you. So I, you know, I have my mind that like, well, our country's 200 years old, but it's not. It's 245 years old now. And so kids, by the way, if you like, uh, if your parents kind of older like me and you want to just see like their smile disappear, just say to them, um, hey, you know, the 80s were 40 years ago and just kind of watch, oh, my goodness. So, so the world's changing, right? The world's changed so much. Our country has changed in ways that maybe we would never expect. And um, I'd like you to uh, think about, well, what is the world going to be like 40 years from now? What's going to be like 100 years from now? You know, in 1937, uh, Nikola Tesla, he said that by 2020, um, there's, uh, people will still drink alcohol, but there will be no more coffee. So he missed that by just a little bit, I think. Uh, another guy in 1911, Dr. Richard Clement Lucas, uh, he was uh, working with feet a lot. And he said, you know, as I just watch mobility, I watch how society is changing. He thought that by now that humans were going to evolve in such a way that we would only have one toe. And uh, so he was wrong about that as well. Uh, there was a 1967 Futurist magazine uh, put out an article and said that uh, we, we understand animals and are able to communicate them with such a way now that by the year around 2020 that apes will be cleaning our homes and doing our laundry for us. So uh, they missed it by just a little bit. So what do you think is going to happen in the next 40 years? What's our country going to look like in the next 100 years? But did you know that it all depends on how you and I finish the rest of our years? Do you know it's up to the legacy that we leave? See, because there, there's two approaches that we can go through right now when we're talking about what's going to happen in the future, when we talk about the next generation. And we could do it like King Hezekiah did. And so uh, the prophet Isaiah comes to Hezekiah and he says, Babylon's gonna come down and they're gonna decimate this place and, and they're gonna take your kids captive and then he says, but it's not going to happen, Hezekiah, in your time. It's going to happen in the next generation. And you know what Hezekiah said? He said, oh, that's good. That's good. At least it won't happen to me. It's going to happen to them. So that's one way that we can look at the future. Or we could do it like Joshua. And he says, you know, I'm about to go the way that everyone on earth goes. I am about to die. And he said, so since I'm going to die, I have to bring you guys together. And I got to give you one last charge. And I want to encourage you to go forward. And I want to empower you to go forward because we've got to move forward with God. And I can't go thinking that things would fall apart. I have to go forward knowing that you are going to go forward. And see, there's two ways that you and I could go about it, two ways that we can live. And what are we going to do? Are we going to hold on and just kind of hold our nose and tell our kids, well, good luck. It's a mess. I hope you make it. Or are we going to live with vision? Are we going to live with hope and a commitment to lay our lives down for this next generation? And listen, if you're my age, when you get to be my age, I know it's really easy to believe, well, it's already lost. It's already over. Listen, don't you dare give yourself over to that. Don't give yourself over to that lie. It is not hopeless. It's just in the balance. And it's only hopeless if you and I give up hope for those who are to come. Then it's hopeless. 
We're ending this series right now called Being, Being Strong. Be Strong. And it's about Joshua and we've looked at his life and we've looked at these battles that he has to fight. And we've talked about how every single one of us, we have a battle that we need to fight. Now we're going to look at how he ended, how he finished and his legacy here. And the question that we're going to ask ourselves is, what is our legacy? What are we leaving behind for the next generation? And kids, just in case you thought this sermon was just for old people, you have a legacy. Some of you, you're entering sixth grade. You're about to start a three-year middle school legacy. And how is that middle school going to be different, kids, after you spend three years in it? What are you going to leave behind? Some of you are in high school. What are you going to leave behind in that high school? How's it going to be different? How are kids going to be different? What will you say about your high school years when they're over? Because every season is a legacy building season. Whether you're in nursery school or the nursing home, that season is a legacy. And what is the legacy that you're going to leave in this part of your life, in this season that God has you in right now? So I want to talk about how we can build a legacy that goes on and brings hope to the next generation and life to the next generation. Because what happens to them is in the balance and it depends on what we do with the times that we've been given. The most powerful aspect of your legacy, the most powerful thing you can do, you know what it is? It's your example. It's how you live. Open your Bible, if you have it, to Joshua 24, 14. And he says, okay, I'm going the way of all the earth. I'm going to die soon. But this is what I have to tell you before I go in verse 14. And he says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness, Israel. Serve him. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshiped beyond the river and in Egypt. And for us, it would be throw away your gods of self and materialism and independence from God and doing it your own way. And serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I don't know if there's ever been a time where it's been more important for us to make that declaration. But as for me and my household, what would you say about you and your household? See, because the world right now, it's redefining what's right and it's redefining what's wrong, which, by the way, tells me that that if you can just change it that quickly, that it's not based on truth, it's based on fads and philosophies and ideas of the day, because truth is bigger and it lasts longer. But while the world is trying to redefine what's right and wrong, we say, okay, you do that, but as for me, in my house, I'm going to do it God's way. And while there seems to be no limit right now in our world about what we'll do or what we'll watch or what we do to one another and like put it on video, it's a time for us to say, okay, you do that, but as for me and my house, we're gonna do this. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And while, while the world is saying, oh, no, no, we're past church, we're past Jesus, we're, we're, we've moved past the Bible, you could say, well, maybe you've moved past it, but as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. And I guess I just want to ask you, what have you decided for you and your house? And see, it goes beyond those little plaques that we put in our, in our entryway. It goes beyond the, you know, no cussing, no fussing, no back talking, Right? It's bigger than that. 
I mean, this is how we're gonna live. This is, this is how we're gonna go through difficulty. This is what's gonna define our life and our value. And it determines your legacy and it determines where your children will go and we're giving them an opportunity. You're giving them an opportunity to live in a different way. As for me and my house, you know what? As for me and my house, I've decided that as best as I can teach my family, as best as I can lead my family, we will love Jesus with all of our hearts. As best as I can lead our family, we will obey his word and obey his commands and live according to it. As best as I can lead my family, we will be thankful to Jesus for all he's done. We will be generous with what he has given. And we will be humble before him in our need for the cross and what he brings to us. And so I want you to think about it. I actually want to ask you right now, if your family is here, you can even work on this together. And if your family is just you, as for me and my house, what have you decided And I'd like to ask you to open up your bulletin to your notes section right now. And I'm just going to give you a minute. Just write a couple things what you have decided. As for you and your house, what? What will you do? What will you be about? Which God will you follow? So Holy Spirit, I ask you to bring that to our minds right now as people are writing that down, that you would show us, Lord, what commitments and what stands we are to take for our family, for ourselves, and for our household. I'm going to give you just a minute to write those down. You could keep going with that uh, as I speak here, but uh, I would encourage you to take these things and share them as a family and say, this is what I have decided and compare. And, and if, like I said, you're a family in your own, then go before the Lord and make this commitment to him and say, this is who I'm going to be and this is how I'm going to live. And what a legacy, what a future you've written down. But you know what? It doesn't amount to much. It really doesn't help at all that we've written it down unless we decide that we are going to live according to it. This is gonna guide and shape our lives. This is gonna guide the way that we lead our family and talk to our family and the choices that we make as a family. See, the two famous Bible verses that we've looked at in Joshua, right? The first, remember, be strong and be courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Be strong and be courageous. That was the first one. And then the second one is this one. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But the legacy isn't just that they were written. It's not that they were spoken. It's that Joshua lived that. And so as he's sent by Moses to go scout out the land with 11 other disciples, and and 10 of them came back just shrinking in fear, saying, it's over, forget it. And he says, no, no, no. See, we're serving the Lord. Be strong and be courageous. And he and Caleb stood up and said, we can do this by the hand of our God. And as he crossed the Jordan River, as he fought the Amalekites, he did it by the Lord. He did it with strength and courage that God gave him. And then as he walked around Jericho 14 times with that crazy battle plan, he says, yeah, I know that's not how most generals lead their armies, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and we will do it his way. And his legacy is how he lived what he decided. So your legacy is determined by how you live what you put down. See, we are laying a foundation and it's first by our example that we're living. 
I talk a lot about family and I talk a lot about marriage up here, but you know what my greatest sermon on marriage is? My greatest, most powerful sermon is how I have loved my wife, Gina, for 28 years. That's the strongest sermon. It speaks louder than any other sermon I can give you. And I talk a a lot about loving Jesus. But do you know what my greatest sermon about loving Jesus is? It's how I treat the staff. It's how I treat you. It's how I act when I'm mistreated over there in the roundabout. And we're all mistreated in that roundabout. When, when, are, when is our town going to figure that thing out? Come on. It's been years now. Fathers. Fathers. What does your example say to your children? What have you taught them about how to love a wife? What have you taught them about how to serve and pursue the Lord? Fathers, what have you taught your children about what you do when you're mistreated? And mothers, what does your life teach your children about stepping up and being strong and standing for the truth? What what, what has your life taught them about following God and how you treat a husband, how you respond in the midst of difficulty? What is your life teaching them? What does it say? And kids, listen to me, kids, what does your life teach to the younger kids, kids who are younger than you, what does your life teach about what it means to be an older kid? And see, when the younger kids look at you, because listen, younger kids are looking at you, and when they do, do they learn, oh, older kids are mean. Older kids ignore us and push us to the side. Or are you teaching them that when you become an older kid, what that means is that you're kind and you're helpful and you care for the little ones behind you. Why don't you teach them that? Let's teach them that, okay? Kids, teach the younger kids what it means to be an older kid who loves Jesus. Show them. And I know many of us, we have broken legacies and we have broken examples before us. Anybody here come from a broken legacy? Well, how about we change it? How about we do it differently? And there's many of us, and and we look at the legacy that we've created and like, wow, we, we left a lot of baggage and damage behind us. Well, how about we change it right now? How about right now we do it differently? And we decide that today, as for me and my house, from this moment on, our legacy is gonna be different. From this moment on, I'm gonna leave a legacy that points people to Jesus Christ. The most powerful legacy builder you have is your example. Here's the second thing after your example. We must invest in the next generation. Listen, it is in the balance. And it is up to us to invest in the next generation and get them ready for what's to come. To prepare them and to, to empower them and to strengthen them. You know, I've got, to, I've got good news for us. Uh, last Tuesday, we closed on the Lane property. And so it's ours now. We purchased it. Yeah, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But I, I wanted to share something about that. So the whole idea and half of the funding came from Rod Martin. And he didn't ask me to tell you that. I got permission, barely, to tell you that. But I tell you that because he's 73 years old. And he came to me and he said, Carl, we've got to get this land. He put the seed, he's like, we've got to do this. And you know what, he's 73 years old. He is not gonna benefit very much from it. Maybe a little bit. But do you know what he did it for? You and me and our kids and the next generation. And he invested his life and his vision and his money. And he says, I have to give what I have for what is to come. 
and I won't even see it. I may never even see it, but I have to do it because they need it. And he and I were talking last night about how we don't think it's gonna get easier for our kids. And so we have to do everything we can right now to give them success in the kingdom of God, to help them to win with what God wants them to do. And see, I think Joshua, I I think he has an amazing legacy, but I actually think that this is the one place where it could have been greater, where he could have done a better job. Because what happened with Moses? Moses always brought Joshua along, right? Moses taught Joshua. He was like, Joshua, come to the tent of meeting with me. Come up on the mountain with me. He was always bringing Joshua along, always teaching him. Who did Jesus, who did Joshua bring along? Nobody. Caleb, maybe. He didn't last very long. I mean, he was a a peer, right? And so this is the one thing. I mean, so Joshua has an amazing legacy, but then it got lost on the next number of generations because Joshua failed to empower the next generation. And we read in the book of Judges, what comes next? Mayhem. And it says, well, well, everyone did as they saw fit. Why? Because no one taught them. No one showed them the way to go. And Paul, Paul does it so differently. If you look at Paul, uh, Timothy, he's, he's about to pass and go the way that we all will go. And, and he's talking to this young pastor, Timothy, and it's in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. And you just see him saying, okay, you then, my son, And that right there says so much that he sees Timothy, listen, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Remember the same thing that they told Joshua, that Moses told Joshua, come on, my son, be strong. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You can do it. You are strong enough. You have what it takes. And do you know what the most important thing that you can teach others is? Teach others. Go and teach others what I have given you. One of the most important lessons we can give. I told you, now go tell them. Go share what you've been given. And what do you know about Jesus and what do you know about faith and life and whom have you told? And then the question is, don't forget to tell them to tell others. That's why you and I even know Jesus. Because Paul told Timothy and he said, Timothy, tell others. And Timothy said, tell others. Make sure you tell others. And they told others and now we know. You know the most important thing you can do with power? Empower others. All of you have power. I don't care if you're in third grade or if you're 90. We all have power. And what power and what position do you have? And how have you shared it with the next generation? How have you shared it with others? And would you dare, would you dare to become less today so that they could become more tomorrow? Would you dare to give away the power that God has given you and to entrust it to them so that they can go forward and go beyond where we are? I had a, I had a great joy of Father's Day. It was a really a neat moment for me. And of course, the first thing was just my kids and their thankfulness and, and uh, I didn't get a tie, I got cornhole, which was so much better. <laughs> and I actually got a little uh, tool, power tool as well. But here's the two moments, and one is I went over to Ken Lance and I just thanked him. I said, Ken, you, you've been a spiritual father to me. And I thank you for that, and I thank you for teaching me and training me and investing in me. I actually knew him years and years before uh, he started working here. 
And then um, I got a text from uh, another member in our network, a staff member, and he says, Carl, you've been a spiritual father to me. And I thought, how rich I am that I have a spiritual father and that someone sees me as a spiritual father. That's riches. That's blessing. I was like, oh, Lord, thank you. Couldn't ask for more on Father's Day. See, but here's the key to investing. The key to investing is you have to see potential. You have to look at them and say, I know, yeah, you're rough around the edges and that's not quite right and and you don't have all the skills yet, but there's something there. There's potential in all of us. If you don't see potential, you won't invest. Did you know that in April 2011, Bitcoin, you could have bought one Bitcoin for eight cents? You know how much you can buy one for now? $34,000. I didn't see the potential. Did anybody see the potential? If so, let's talk a little bit about tithing. I want to get to... <laughs> now, you know, I, in fact, Bitcoin, to me, I was like, this is like uh, those tickets that you get at Bananas in the skeet ball. Like, you know, like you, you get their tickets and buy their stuff. I don't, I don't understand it, but, but here it goes, right? But you know, my pastor, little tiny church in Fort Collins, he saw something in me. But I didn't see it. He said, no, I I think you can do this. I think you can minister. And I had some starts and I had some stops and it it took a little while to get there, but he called me out into something greater. And listen, I see something in you. I see the spirit of the living God in you. I see his his nature in you, that you're created in his image. I see skills and abilities, students, parents, Business owners, employees, I mean, you have something here. You have skills. You are so committed to Jesus, you came to church on the 4th of July. That's something. Now go give it away. Because there's a world crying, just crying out, would you see something in me? Do you see anything in me? Am I, is there any value, is there any hope for me? And it's your job and it's my job to go, yes. Yes, there is. And there's always redemption and there's power and there's grace. And yes, I see something in you and we need to call it out and empower the next generation. Here's the third legacy builder. After we live our example, after we invest, the third thing is we recall and we proclaim the faithfulness of God. We tell our story, especially to our children, especially to those who are behind us. Look at Joshua. So in chapter 24, verse 25, and it says, on that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people. And he's just about to die. This is like one of the last things that he does. And and there at Shechem, he drew up for them decrees and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Then he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. See, he said to all these people, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. There's at least three times in the Bible where a leader takes a stone and just sets it in place, an Ebenezer, to remind them that this is what God has done. Let it be a memorial. Let let us always remember who he is. And listen, there is power in your story to declare what God has done. First of all, for your own life, just to recall 
Like, listen, guys, I, I can't be afraid and I can't doubt and I can't give up because I've just seen too many times. I, I just know too much. I have too many stories. And if I'll just recall them and remember them and proclaim them, I'm like, oh yeah, God came through there and God came through there and God came through there and he's so good. And then we proclaim these stories to our children. Listen, when God comes through, make sure you tell your family about it. When God comes through, make sure you tell your friends, this is what God did. So it can build them up. These stories build up our faith. Our testimony gives them strength. And so if, if I can be so bold or maybe indulgent, I'd like to share a story. I actually have my daughter, Joy, share a story of how God came through for her. Maybe it'll build up your faith. January, it was placed on my heart to attend a discipleship training school through Youth with a Mission um, in Tyler, Texas. And I had two options to go either to the school in July or to a school in October. Um, and from the beginning, I felt like I was supposed to go in July. But with it only being six months away, I was like, there's no way I'll be able to pull off first getting all that money together and then just um, canceling all my plans for the summer. And so I settled on going in September and I applied to the school in September and got accepted in April. It was exciting, but it didn't feel right. Like I just felt like God was making it clear that I needed to go in July. Um, but I didn't want to because I didn't think it was possible. I met a guy at a um, Love the Western Slope lunch. We were doing road pickup, um, someone I'd never met before. And um, I sat down at his table and was like talking to him and um, told him that I had just graduated high school and he asked me what my plans for after school were. Um, and I told him that I wanted to do a DTS um, and that I was gonna go in September, but I kind of felt like I was supposed to go in July. And I told him that it's impossible, <laughs> that there is no way I could pull that off and get all the money and get all the things I needed in place. Um, yeah, so he told me, um, he was like, you know, nothing's impossible for God, right? And I was like, shoot, <laughs> you're right. Um, and so I was just kind of like that stuck in the back of my head and I was like, nothing's impossible for God. Like I can go in July, but like, I really don't want to. <laughs> but as many plans as I made and as many ways I tried to deny the fact that I was supposed to go in July, um, I just couldn't shake it. And I felt like I needed to go in July, even though I didn't really want to. Um, so I wrote in my journal, um, I said, Jesus, I feel like I'm supposed to go to Texas in July. I can't shake it. However, I would need a miracle to get there. If this desire is from you, can I ask that I'd please be completely funded by May 25th? I love you and trust you no matter what happens. And I'm so thankful for you in this opportunity. Um, and so after I wrote that, I was just like, okay, whatever. Like I told God, like, if he wants me to go, then he needs to make it happen. And I'm just gonna keep on planning to go in September. Um, and then on May 17th, um, I went from having like barely any money um, to be able to having more money than I ever imagined I would have. Um, my funds were completely covered, the outreach phase was completely covered, and I had extra money to buy things um, 
like bags and pillows and like all the essentials you need for the school. Um, and so when I saw that number, I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm going in July. Um, I'm so thankful that I listened to God and even though it's not what I planned, um, I let him do his thing and I'm excited to see what happens um, because he knows what he's doing. <laughs> and even when I try to resist, he still makes a way and still provides. Yeah, praise God. You can clap. That's my daughter, you know. I'll clap. You know, um, that one night she had maybe like a fourth from just saving and working what she needed. And then we had a graduation party and people just kept coming with cards and checks and the next day she had it all. And uh, so I said, hey, how did it go? And uh, she said, well, um, Dad, I'm fully funded. Now I've got a decision to make. She said, God made good on his side, so I got to make good on my side. What choice do I have? I got to go. I'm going in July. And so that's where we actually were last weekend as we were in Tyler, Texas, dropping her off at Wyoming. And I proclaim that story to you, and I tell you that story to build your faith because I want you to understand that if God calls you to do something, he will provide for it. If he tells you to go, and it may be along the way as you are walking down the road, he will bring the resources so you can get it done. And if God is going to open a door for you, there is no one who can shut it. The only thing that can happen is you decide that you won't walk through it. But if he says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. If he's promised you, he will fulfill it. He keeps all his promises. He's so good. He is so faithful. And we need to tell our stories and let the world understand how good our God is. We're not sharing Jesus because we want more Christians. We want people just to know how good God is. We have them see how faithful he is and how caring and how he, he just provides for us. So I got a little, uh, a little rock for you. And this isn't to throw at me if you didn't like the sermon. That's not what we're doing with these. So what I want you to do, you can use a pen, but there's some markers out there. And, and we have a, a fountain, and I'm calling it a fountain of remembrance or a memorial. Desi, help me get it together. Thank you. And um, what I want you to do is just to write some sort of symbol, a note. I put two initials. I put LP on mine. And um, I'd like you to put it in that fountain. And we'll just keep it out there for a little while. Uh, kind of like Joshua's rock, remembering what God has done. And the reason that I put LP on mine, that, that stands for Lane Property. Uh, because uh, when Rod came to me and said, we need to do it, I thought, yeah, yeah, we need to do it. Maybe, maybe we can, maybe we can take a loan, or maybe we can figure this thing out. And in less than a month, you know, we needed $300,000. We didn't get $300,000. We got $480,000 came in to pay for that thing. Can you believe that? And so we'll use that money to clean it up. And, you know, he's going to live there for at least two more years. But when it's time, we're going to use that money to start moving towards what God has us to do. And then there were some times where, like in the middle of the negotiations and the talk, I was just like, this, it's done. This thing has fallen apart. More than once, I thought, this is not going to happen. And a friend of mine, he reminded me, he says, you know what, did you know the real estate's spiritual? And he said, you, you got to pray over this thing. And you got to figure out what the spiritual problem is and pray. And so I did, and I realized we're all afraid. Everyone's afraid of what they're going to lose. Everyone's afraid that they might do this thing wrong. So I just prayed, Lord, take away our fear. Take away their fear. And that day, the very day that I started praying against fear, an agreement came together. We're like, yeah, okay. And everyone just kind of let down their guard, and we went forward. 
And then, uh, then there was another, I got a text from a, a friend of mine who says, hey, what if, a, what if a builder comes in and takes this thing? And I'm like, oh yeah, what if a builder takes this thing? I, I better be worried about that. And, and then um, uh, another uh, guy, a builder, who actually would be the one who's most likely to purchase that. He, he came up to me, he says, oh yeah, you know, th- they offered that property to me like three years ago. And I told him, no, it belongs to the church. If God promised it, he'll do it. If it belongs to you, no one is going to take it. Listen, if it is your inheritance, no one can stop you from the inheritance that God has for you. No one can take away the promises that Jesus has. He is capable and he is able. So I'm going to drop this little LP. I'm going to put that in the fountain and I'm going to remember and I'm going to proclaim how there God came through. And he's going to come through again. And I want to leave you with one last verse in Joshua 23, verse 14. And Joshua says this, Now I am about to go the way of the earth. I'm going to die. And you know with all your heart and soul that not one, not one of all of the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Not one has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. I want to remind you that every single one of his good promises in here has not failed and it will not fail. And these are his promises for your life. And if he has given you a promise for your family or your children or your parents, and he has told you that's how it will be, not one of his good promises will fail. He will come through. And it's your job and it's my job to proclaim it to our children and our children's children and to the next generation for them to see the faithfulness of God in our lives. Listen, guys, I am so hopeful. I am so hopeful for this coming generation, not because the world's gonna love Christianity more, not because things are gonna become easier, but because they are gonna be filled with the spirit of the living God. Because you know what God promised in the end days, I will pour out my spirit on all people and they will have what it takes. And if they decide that they are gonna walk with Jesus, if they'll say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, they will go forward and they will be protected. And kids, listen to me, if you decide you're gonna follow Jesus, you will be victorious. You will win in Jesus' name. So Father God, I thank you so much for your good promises. I thank you for your protection. I thank you for your provision. And I thank you for entrusting us with this amazing gospel and truth. And Lord, I pray that we would be legacy builders in our actions. And we would be legacy builders in our proclamations. And I ask, Father, that you would use us to empower and equip those who are coming behind us, even if they're older than us. And Lord, I pray, God, that they would go forward and they would go beyond where we ever could. And Lord, that you would bless our children and bless our children's children with grace and truth and life and power of the Holy Spirit and help us get them ready for what you have for them in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in him. God bless you.